<laughs> Let's welcome Dave. He's providing a word from God's word today, and we are so glad that we get to get a word from him. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Well, good morning. There's a couple of things that are different about this morning. Pastor Jeff has not gained weight. Uh, it's me. <laughs> Marsha, I'm going to have you bring those lights all the way up. You're going to notice a few different things this morning. Uh, they are not necessarily by design, but by necessity. Uh, and so uh, I want them to have the lights up. Number one, I like to see you. I like to see uh, who I'm speaking with. And uh, I interact with your your expressions, so have a smile, please. Uh, um, you'll notice that there's not an outline of the bulletin, and there's not a wonderful PowerPoint on the wall there, just simply the title of the sermon, Confident or Condemned. Uh, that is by design. Uh, if, if I would have given my dear sister D'Amato the outline, I would have called her at three o'clock this morning and said, I need you to add a couple of things or take a couple of things away. I equate it to this. Uh, I was trying to illustrate what we're going to share this morning. And it's like a huge banquet table that is just chocked full of everything from hors d'oeuvres to desserts to main dishes. Uh, we had a birthday party yesterday for my great nephew. And uh, my sister-in-law doesn't know how to say when. And so this table was six feet long and it had uh, macaroni salad and uh, coleslaw salad and Chinese chow feng and I don't know what all. And you don't know where to start, uh, but you wanna eat and get a good taste of everything, but still save room for the dessert. And Romans is just such a banquet. Uh, and I've really appreciated uh, how Pastor Jeff has laid it out thus far. Uh, oh, by the way, I have to check my time, so I've got 36 minutes. Uh, I notice there's no clock on the wall. Pastor Betty, where are you? I need a big clock there. <laughs> Don't. Oh, okay. Don't get nervous, folks. I've only got three pages, okay? It's going to be short and simple. <laughs> but Romans is the richest uh, exposition of the gospel in the entire New Testament. Uh, and it is that feast, that banquet table. And we've just been hitting the high points, but they are important points. Uh, Pastor Jeff earlier uh, last year talked about uh, the big ones, the doctrines of Scripture that stand out that are vital to our faith. And, and I was sitting there back there talking with Glenn this morning and a couple of others, and I see new faces. Now, mind you, everybody knows me. I introduce myself to people who are charter members of this church, okay? Uh, but I definitely know that there are some of you that are new to the church. This may even be your first Sunday. Uh, there are some of us that are new in our work, our, our, our walk, in our search for faith. There's some of us like myself that, you know, uh, have been walking with the Lord for many, many years. But Romans still has something, and Romans chapter 8, to be certain, has something that's important for each and every one of us, regardless of where you are in that walk, in that journey that you're on. Uh, I want to read something to you, and I don't normally read uh, articles, but I thought this was pertinent to what we're looking at today. Uh, a gentleman said, I saw a billboard the other day advertising a church in the community. In huge letters, it said, guilt-free, graceful. Well, having grown up in a spiritual atmosphere where guilt was used like a hammer against those trying to make spiritual progress, I found myself paying particular attention to this sign. I realized that many churches use guilt to control people and to get the kind of response they need in order to stay in operation. No one wants to be put on a guilt trip, but most people will no longer tolerate that kind of treatment from the church. But there is a problem with 
a guilt-free church. Anybody want to venture a guess? Nice and loud? We are guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. Paul has made that abundantly clear. And uh, in, in Romans 3.23, he specifies it specifically that all have sinned and fall short of God's expectation. We need to define that. And in a society, the worldly view is it's not my fault. Uh, he goes on to say that we love to point someone else uh, for blame, our parents, the government, our spouse, anyone but me. There's a significant move within the evangelical community to remove the sense of guilt from the lives of people. We don't want anybody to feel badly about themselves. That is, uh, this is basically because so many people reject personal responsibility, but we are responsible. So what I want to focus on today is the fact that we are all guilty of the fallen nature. Why? Because we're human, and we're going to dissect that and talk about that. But there's an answer to the problem. There's an answer for the guilt. But unless we have that guilt and take that responsibility for our sin, we cannot enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. You ever have somebody who wronged you and come up, came up to you and said, ah, I'm sorry, and walked away? And you knew they weren't sorry. There was no forgiveness offered there. But when someone comes up with a heartfelt, uh, a compassionate uh, feeling of remorse, man, I, I don't know what was in me. I was wrong, and I hope you'll forgive me. What a joy, not only for the one who has been offended to receive that kind of repentance or that kind of responsibility, but what a joy for the one who has erred to know that they've been forgiven. One of the biggest tools, that, or, or battlefields, I should say, that Satan has in the church today is our minds. We say, I thought it's all about the heart. We're going to explain that in a minute. But it begins in our minds. The condemnation that we're going to be looking at today is hopeless. It is, it, 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 it is without any recourse. Condemnation. But correction is quite the other thing. I want you to open your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 8. And I hope everybody has a Bible. And again, I, I know we put the verses on the screen in order to accommodate those who don't. I was talking with a good friend this week about this, and uh, we, we, we came to the understanding that there's a little thing in the military called OJT. Anybody know what that means? On-job training. So if you're a little slow on the draw getting to the right book, that's okay. You just keep looking. You keep finding those verses, and pretty soon you'll be going right to it. And then when you're at home by yourself and there's nobody to tell you where to turn, you can say, well, I wonder what's in this passage. But in Romans chapter 8, I want to look at a couple of things this morning. Uh, one of my mentors uh, in, in preaching gave me this uh, illustration. He said, uh, preaching is like shooting a bow and arrow. And he said, you've got a target, but if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Okay, you all, not all of you got that. <laughs> We're aimed at something this morning. Three simple questions. What is your mindset? What are you thinking? You ever have somebody ask you that? Oh, man, I heard that from my grandpa so many times. What are you thinking? And it's a pertinent question. And it has to do with that responsibility, taking ownership of what you're thinking, where you're at. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, the second question is, what are you doing? Is it reflected, what you're thinking? Does it, is it reflected in your lifestyle, in your attitude? And then the final thing, how about getting in step? And those are the three things we're going to look at. Let's look at Romans uh, chapter 8. We'll begin in verse 1. 
May God add his blessing to his word and to, to this message. Therefore, uh, we'll talk about the therefore in just a moment. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, those of you that had King James Bibles, there's now, now therefore no condemnation those who are in Christ Jesus. Yours says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And you have NIV say it's not there. If you want to know the explanation for that, a little later on this year when we do biblical translations and how we got our Bible, sign up and I'll tell you, okay? But don't fret for today because go down to verse 4. For those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So it's there. And I'm not going to give you the explanation of why it's not in the NIV. You can figure that out or come and see me. Look at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that is governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile toward God. It doesn't submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives within you. There is a table full of good things to eat here. Uh, there is a plethora of, of, and really the foundational truth about what it is to be a Christian. You see, Paul was addressing uh, a, a group, a church, uh, and it wasn't just one church, but it was the church that was in Rome and in the surrounding areas that was made up of Jewish converts and Gentile converts. The Jewish converts were the ones who had been religious. How many of you were religious before you became a Christian? Oh, you, not many of you. Ooh, <laughs> that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I went to church for uh, uh, three or four years as a young child in Sunday school. And then uh, when I turned 14 uh, and 15, I went for another couple of years and was there faithfully Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But I wasn't a Christian for two years. For two years. I thought I was a Christian. I thought that because I was faithful to being in church, and maybe you were thinking that today when, when someone asks you, are you a Christian, do you tell them, well, yeah, I attend First Baptist Hanford. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad you attend First Baptist Hanford. I, uh, you may even be a member. But what really makes you a Christian is not where you go or what you do. It's who you are. Or as one man said, whom's, whom's? <laughs> who you belong to, okay? In Christ, what does that mean? Well, let's figure it out what it doesn't mean. He said, those that live according to the flesh, those that are governed, verse 6, by the flesh, their mind is governed, and they cannot please God. Lest you think, and I, I heard this, have heard this preached year after year after year, as what the author of the previous statement said, and that is that used as a hammer to get people in line. If you're a Christian, you can only be without condemnation if you do A, B, C, and D. Got to walk in the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you ain't a Christian. Well, look what Paul had to say in the previous chapter, chapter 7. Go over there with me, if you will. In chapter 7, verse 7, he says, What shall I say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. First point I want us to understand. To share the truth is not to condemn a person. It's to correct a person. Uh, my grandfather was a carpenter. 
And he would get me out there, and, and my grandfather was a poor man, and so what he would do is have contractors dump lumber by the dump truck fold in the yard. We would go out there and pull nails. I can't tell you the number of times I tore my fingers, I beat my hand with a hammer, uh, that I hurt myself. My grandfather didn't come up and look and say, well, that was stupid. You know what that would have made me done? Throw the hammer down, or maybe throw it at him, and go in and see Grandma, who'd kiss me and give me a big hug and a piece of apple pie. No, Grandpa said, son, what does that tell you? Let me show you a better way if you do it this way. Oh. Now, is that the last time I hit my hand with a hammer? No, but I hit it fewer and fewer times. And a lot of times when we talk to people about becoming a Christian, about giving your life to Christ, when they commit uh, uh, or have a failure, when they have a shortcoming, when, when they have a besetting sin, the devil condemns. He says, you're no good. Who do you think you are? Boy, if preacher knew what you were doing. And there's a condemnation, not a correction, not a conviction, a condemnation. Our salvation is not based on our performance. It's based on our faith in Christ Jesus. But that faith is in us, working in us, doing a work and bringing about change. Paul said this, look, look what it says. Look at verse 14. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. What, Paul? One of the greatest men in the entire New Testament? I don't understand what's going on. Verse 15, for what I want to do, I do not. What I hate to do, I do what I hate to do. And if I do what I know, uh, if, I do, <laughs> if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Good old iPad. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do this, I keep doing. Now if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I, but the sin living in me. So he says in verse 21, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner. Verse 24, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Don't leave out verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me in Christ Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The, word, the world has a mindset to do evil, and we're at war with that. When you come to Christ, all of your problems don't end, but the answers begin. Go back to chapter 8, and let's look at a couple of things. Verse 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, does that mean if you're a Christian, you never have a failure? That you never commit a sin again? That you never struggle with anything? No. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But what it does mean is you have the mind of Christ within you that says, no, this is contrary. One of my favorite verses uh, in the book of Jeremiah says that when you're walking the path, when you go to the left or when you go to the right, you will hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. 
That's what being in Christ and walking in the Spirit of God is. One of the reasons I struggled so much with what to, to share this morning is I want to share what it means to walk day by day, and we might do that next week. But the biggest and the most important thing, that, or the greatest and the most important thing I can tell you is, is each day to rise as David the psalmist did and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, what have you got for today? There may be some bumps in the road, but Lord, I'm walking with you. Lord, there may be some failures. There's still some things that I'm struggling with, but I'm going to trust you. And if I fail, I'll get up. If I falter, I'll steady myself with you and I'll continue on. I'm resolved. Old, old hymn said, I'm resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. And that's the problem today. There's so many charms for us to look at, aren't there? So many things in the world to distract us. But God says, let your mindset be on me. The mind governed by the flesh is death. How's that going to work out for you? Where's your mindset today? Is your mindset characterized, is your attitude of living characterized by what's in it for me? Now, now let's just be honest. We all feel those things. So, so don't, you know, don't say, well, none of your business, preacher. I'm right there with you. There's a war going on here. But I have to determine what I want my focus in life to be. Years ago, we had some very good friends, uh, and there were two, a sister and a brother that were married. Anyway, in-laws and outlaws. But uh, the one couple, everything that they did revolved around their walk with Christ. And the other, they were Christians, but they were struggling. And one of the reasons they were struggling is because the center of their world was not their walk with Christ and their church and their service to the community. The center of their world was getting this kind of a car and this kind of a house. And they came up to this other couple one day and said, you know, you guys are ridiculous. Everything you do surrounds uh, uh, the church. And they kind of looked at one another and they said, well, thank you. It was a compliment. Where's your mindset? Now, that doesn't mean you walk around going, oh, moom, moom, and a halo around your head, and you don't like the Giants or the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> I've got to walk a thin line there, right? It doesn't mean you don't enjoy life, but your life is characterized not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I don't know about you. I don't want to be there. Don't want to be there. Am I fearful of that? No, because Christ is changing my heart daily. Daily. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Daily. I'm not the same man I was in 1967. I'm not the same man I was in 2007. I'm changing daily. And those of you who have been walking in the Spirit, you're changing also. How many of you have thought, if I only knew then what I know now? Anybody? Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a journey. So those of you who are just beginning this journey, don't be intimidated. Don't be put off by some who tell you biblical principles of truth that are meant to build your life and to build your character. Dave shared a wonderful verse out of chapter 5 this morning that perse uh, persecution develops perseverance, and perseverance develops character, and character breeds hope. That certain expectation. If you're just beginning your journey, understand this. Christ's already paid the penalty for your sin. All you have to do is accept it. And I meant to have my wallet up here today with that big $20 bill and say, Dustin, I'm going to give you this $20 bill. And Dustin's just going to sit there. Dustin, it's all yours. Man, think of what you can buy. You could, might be able to get a Big Mac nowadays. 
until Dustin gets up out of that chair and comes up and receives it. The gift's of no value to him. And we can hear about how good God is, and we can say, oh, man, I wish I felt the goodness of God in my life, but I just don't feel it. I feel guilty. I'm so evil. I'm so bad. I fail. Take the gift. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He already paid the penalty. You know what? That failure I had this week, and I'm not telling you what it is, Christ already knew. He already knew. Now, I would like to imagine that God just goes, oh, Dave, <laughs> really? Come on. And, of course, I was, yeah, Lord. Um, there's several of us that do daily devotionals. Uh, we have one that comes to our phone. It blows our minds how often that verse is dealing exactly with what we're dealing with. Brian and I write that usually we don't read it until after we've blown it, and then God says, oh, by the way, that, 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 that. I blew it big time one day, and I went in and read that, and I went, oh, and I had to go apologize to a few people. Did I lose my salvation? No, Christ already paid for that sin. He already paid for that failure, and I accepted that gift of salvation, and I cling to it, and I claim it. But the Holy Spirit said, no condemnation, but there will be correction. You know what the difference between a, a condemnation and conviction is? Now think about it in a legal sense. You can be convicted of a crime, but who has the final word to your outcome, to your sentence? The judge. And there's been many a time that someone has done something stupid that resulted in a tragedy, and the maximum penalty of the law would call for your life to basically end in prison. And the judge says, I think that I can show you mercy if you will do this. Probation, training, resolution. I heard one time of a conviction where there was an accidental death and manslaughter was the conviction which the person could have went to prison. And it involved drinking and driving. And this person truly was remorseful. Matter of fact, I know this person personally. And the judge showed mercy. He gave him a limited sentence, made him go into training, and then said, now you have to share your story. And he went out and shared his story. And I like that because that's what God asks us to do as Christians, is share our story. Where's your mindset? How is that mindset reflected in your life? Go to Galatians, if you would, please. Paul uh, really lays this out a little uh, more thoroughly, and, and we're going to uh, conclude with that this morning. In Galatians chapter 5, if you would, please. I want to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Time won't permit, but I want to read a couple of different verses there. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Whoa, stop. Christ did not pay the penalty for your sin so that you could walk around defeated, discouraged, and scared to death that you're going to bust hell open if you don't perform right. He died so you could be free. Now, the question that comes to my mind is, Lord, if I'm free, why do I struggle with X? Why do I struggle with whatever it is that you struggle with? Because per perseverance, character, hope. In who? In yourself? No. I'll just tell you one of mine. I'm a very insecure person. You wouldn't think so, would you? I am shy. What are you laughing about? Is there something I don't know? <laughs> I, am. I am. I am insecure, and that insecurity a lot of times prevents me from speaking when I should speak. 
from sharing when I should share or thinking what I shouldn't be thinking when that person has absolutely no thought of what I'm thinking. I struggle with that. And sometimes I say, Lord, if I'm free, why am I struggling with that? You know why? Because it's building character in me and it's helping me to be able to trust Christ even more. So much more. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We always uh, attribute it to a physical malady. Whatever it was, Paul prayed three times for God to take it. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. Was Paul free in Christ? Well, amen. Father of the New Testament Gentile church. You don't get any freer than that. But he still struggled with something. And God said, in my, in your weakness, I am made strong. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Verse 1. Stand firm then. Claim the truth. Apply the truth. And act on it. You and I have to get it through our heads that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and claim it and stand on it. Now, if I know what it cost Jesus to forgive me my sins, i.e. his death, the very Son of God died for me, I'm not going to go out and live a wild, reckless life. Will I stumble? Yeah. You know, I was watching the Olympics this week and the downhill skiing, the ladies, and man, they're cutting it in tenths and one hundredths of a second. And this one gal was coming down and the announcer's going, oh my gosh, she is almost a full second ahead of everybody else. Folks in the Olympic realm, that's miles. And she was just whoosh, 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 like clockwork. And all of a sudden, whoosh, pop, 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 and out. You think that young lady gave up? She jumped back up and hopped back on the course and finished her course. Why? Because that one fall does not define her as an athlete. She's not a quitter. Stand firm then, and don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. Paul says, pay attention. Pay attention. Go on down to verse 13, and we're going we're gonna to wrap this up with this. You, my brothers and sisters, notice he's talking to believers. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. There's an attitude, free in Christ. I, I had a friend in, in uh, Bible college, and I believe he was a Christian. Uh, you know, again, you know, I can say, oh, he couldn't have been a Christian. This man cussed like a sailor, and to any sailors in the crowd, I'm sorry, but you know what I'm talking about. And he'd slip up, blah, blah, blah. oh, free in Christ. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? I think he actually became a pastor. I don't remember. I lost. I... <laughs> but Paul says, listen, just because you're forgiven doesn't mean anything goes. It means your heart's been changed. Your desires have changed. It's that mindset. Where is your mindset? How is it reflected? He says, don't indulge the flesh, but do what? Rather serve humbly in love. Now listen to this, verse 14. For the entire law and the law is representative not just of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and all the Mosaic law, but the life we live as believers. The, 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 the characteristic of the true walking in the Spirit life of, of a Christian is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that covers it all. What did Jesus, you know, somebody came up and said, well, what's the greatest commandment? You know, because there were ten of them, and they were hoping they'd catch him, you know, well, thou shalt not steal. Well, yeah, but what about this? Well, no, he says it's all wrapped up in two little simple things. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And love your neighbor as yourself. Simple. Receive the love of God, reciprocate that love, and then share it. 
and everything that you can think of, every sin that you can think of, is covered under that. Want proof? Look what it says. Look at verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We'll talk about that in just a moment. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now he refers back to his dilemma. Man, the thing I want to do, I don't. The thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me? Christ Jesus. As you look and as you examine your mindset, and then how that mindset plays out in your life. Don't be afraid. And by the way, you're the one that has to make that decision. Now, I can come along from the outside and say, you know what, uh, where's, where's Dave Werther? I usually use him in Sunday school class. <laughs> but I can say, Dave, you know, I love you. You're my brother in Christ, and I think this is something you ought to consider changing. Now, there's nothing wrong with David, so don't get nervous. But David has to say, Lord, is it true? He has to do that self-examination. I can tell you, according to the Scriptures, the truth, that without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated from Him in hell. That's what the Bible says. But until you examine that in your own heart and come to that conclusion, nothing will change. We don't influence people for the kingdom of God from the outside in. We influence them from the inside out. You say, I'm not a surgeon. How do I get inside? By the Word of God, by sharing. You know, have you thought about this? I read this verse, and it changed my life. Changed me forever. Look what he says in verse 22, and we're almost done. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What are the passions and desires of the worldview. Look at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are, ob are obvious. Okay, we're done. We don't need it. It's obviously what they are, right? Well, let's take a look. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. See anything in there? Well, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm not a witch. I'm not a warlock. No, I don't. I, I, do we have any witches or warlocks here today? <laughs> don't raise your hand. I have actually preached where there's been a whole front row. It was interesting. No, we don't have any witches. We don't have anybody offering their kids as sacrifices. We don't have anybody that's sponsoring drunken orgies at their house. I pray that we don't. I don't think we do. <laughs> but look at some of those things. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. You see anything? Anything you're struggling with? Now, mind you, if you saw something there that you're struggling with, but yet, I'm a child of God. Why am I struggling with that? Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. It just means that's an area of your life that needs to be given to the Spirit of God. That's an area that needs to be healed. I guarantee you those Olympic athletes, this may be a poor example, I don't know, but if you could see their bodies, there'd be bruises, there would be cuts, there would be evidence of the hard training that they've been going through and their willingness to continue on. There's some of us have got bruises and cuts in our spirits and they're not evident, but they're there. Don't be condemned by them. 
be convinced and be confident that God will change those things in you if you give them to him. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you think of expressing the love of God in discord? Now notice it didn't say disagreement. It said discord. That's development of a spirit of, of non-harmonious living. That's putting people at bay. That's pushing people out of your life. That's destroying people. No, love won't allow you to do that. Love won't allow you uh, uh, to continue to live in rage. It won't allow you to have envy. It won't allow you to live a life of drunkenness. It won't allow any of those things. So the simple answer to our lifestyle issues are the love of Christ in me. Paul put it this way. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Now, crucifixion was a dead-end street, was it not? Nevertheless, I live. How so? Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. What's your life today characterized by? Is it a walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit? Now, mind you, the walk in the flesh can be very subtle. It can be as simple as saying, I don't need Jesus Christ. I can do this myself. May I lovingly share with you that no, you can't. One of the characteristics of an insecure person is self-confidence, over self-confidence, sometimes even narcissism, that it's all about me. You can run your life, but Paul said the end road result is death. Choose life. And that's the final point. Get in step. Look what it says, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let's kept, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying with one another. We, if we do anything in the years to come, want to create an environment of unity and love for the Son of God and direction how to live in that spirit. Jesus said, I'm leaving. He told the 12 disciples, I'm leaving. The disciples said, no, we're just starting to get it. He said, that's all right. I'm not going to leave you alone. If I go, I'm going to send a comforter. And I want you to look there in your own time. But I want you to look. And he said that comforter would do two things. He would convince you of righteousness for my name's sake. And he would bring you comfort in your heart. That's all God wants us to do. That's all the Holy Spirit wants to do. The writer of Hebrews says that those whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Don't be condemned in your walk. Embrace your faith in Jesus Christ. Be open to the Holy Spirit. One man said it's not how much the Holy Spirit you have, it's how much of you the Holy Spirit has. Amen? It's how open I am to God. As I said, some of you are just beginning your journey. I've been at it for 40-something odd years. That doesn't make me any more a child of God than you. It's how much of me the Holy Spirit has, and I have learned to give him all. And when I fall, I try to correct. I try to do the right thing. I try to find strength to not do it again. But that strength is in Christ and in Christ alone. How do I get in step? Repent. Oh, that's, that's that thing where you have to cry and wail and, and fall down on your face. I had a friend, that's, that's what he did. I, well, actually, that's what I did. 
big old tough surfer boy, 15 years old, you know, I, I cried like a baby because for the first time in my life, I realized how far, I part, how far apart I was from God. But my very best friend, Steve Decker, when he got saved, he calmly stood up, walked down and met with the preacher, never shed a tear and said, I need Jesus Christ. I don't wanna go like I'm going right now. He knelt, prayed a sinner's prayer, and for something like 15 years, lived and led his life and his family in the ways of the Lord, and then God took him home. Steve Decker had the same freedom and forgiveness that Dave Fox had. It's a matter of will you turn around. Now today as we conclude, I wanna share just Psalm 139. Verses 24 or 23 and 24. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I like that he says that, my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Simple prayer. It doesn't matter if you're here this morning, you've been a believer for many, many years. Will you pray that prayer this morning with me? Search me, God. Know my heart, know my anxious thoughts. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, you can pray that prayer now. God, search my heart. See if there's any offense of me and lead me in the way. I, when you ask somebody to lead you, you're letting go. Lead the way, lead the way. I don't know which way to go. I have a friend, Ruben Rojas, who's a backpacker. I obviously am lacking a little bit there. When we go hiking in the summer, I'll be traipsing up a trail and I'll start to go the wrong way. And Reuben says, Dave, I think you'll find it better if you go this way. Now I can be all proud and say, hey, I'm a stud muffin, I know which way to go. No. You know what, Reuben, I trust you, I'll do that. And I follow him because he's been there, he's done that. God knows your heart, he wants to lead you, but you have to say yes. You have to say yes. Let's pray. Praise team's gonna come up and I love the words of that song. No fear, Lord, no fear to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have a variety of folks who are here today, some who know Christ and have known him for a long time. We have others who may be here for the first time or maybe you're just now beginning your search for faith. Can you pray this prayer with me this morning? While heads are bowed and nobody looking around, I wonder if you'd be willing to just simply raise your hand and say, Dave, I'm searching for that relationship with Christ. I wanna know him. I wanna know that I have no condemnation, that I'm in Christ Jesus. Will you pray for me? Would you raise your hand up and put it right back down? Anyone? I don't know Christ. Yes, God bless you, man. Someone else? I don't know Christ and I wanna know him. I wanna know no condemnation. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Yes, others, anyone else? How many of you are believers here today and yet you've been struggling with guilt and doubt about your walk with Christ and you'd like to have a deeper walk? Yes, God bless you. Someone else, raise your hand. Yes, anyone else? This isn't formality, I wanna pray for you. Anyone else? Yes, I saw that. Let's pray this prayer. God, search me, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, you saw each hand, and more importantly, you see each heart. You know the needs, you know the wants, and you know the doubts that are existent in, in the hearts of those that are still searching. God, it's my prayer today that they will come at a time of prayer and say, yes, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make me your child while I make you my Lord and Savior. As the praise team is going to sing, if you raised your hand and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to offer you that opportunity to pray today, not tomorrow. If God is dealing with your heart, and that's the only way I want you to come, if you don't know if you're a Christian or not, and you want to know and you want to claim that promise of Paul's in Galatians 8, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come and to pray with me. Others, if believers want to come and pray this morning, we have some who are going to be on the, on the side praying and would love to pray with you. But right now, I want to focus on those of you who are searching for that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I invite you to come. Stand together and sing, I am a child of God. You come as we sing. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
Jesus Christ into her life. Dear Lord and Savior. Amen. You pray for her. Don't forget the bullseye this morning. What are you thinking? What are you doing? What is your life characterized by? I hope it's characterized with a spirit-led walk. If you're struggling with that, don't be afraid to stay the course. Just start thinking differently. Look for the times and the places and the opportunities to strengthen your faith. No one will judge you. If they do, you come to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll sick my wife on them. <laughs> We're in it together, folks. We're in it together. Okay? I used to be told it was a sin to have long hair. I guess my body took it to heart. I don't know. <laughs> but I was a child of God with hair on my shoulders. Okay? And then I made some changes. But I made them because God led me to make those changes. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, if I could grow long hair today, I'd still have it. But it ain't happening. <laughs> Even Greg Laurie finally cut his. So, But what are you thinking? What are you doing? Let's get in step with Christ. Not with me, not with Pastor Jeff, not with First Baptist Hanford, but with the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ is our prayer. Amen? Amen. All right, thank you for being here. I hope you'll come back next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the unity that the gospel brings. The gospel today, we were talking, it brings change. It brings stability. The gospel will bring unity next week. Hope you'll come. God bless you.